Welcome to Slowpreneur, a podcast about building a business without the busy. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and I'm a coach for thoughtful, values-based entrepreneurs just like you. On this show, we talk about creating a business with intention, heart, and sustainability in mind. Join me as I connect with my friends and clients and share my own reflections on why slow and steady entrepreneurship will always win the race. On today's episode, I'm talking about the art of setting gentler, more nuanced boundaries in our businesses. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to Slowpreneur. If you're new here, my name is Stephanie, and I am a business coach and community leader for small business owners and creative entrepreneurs. And this podcast is a real passion of mine because I believe that there is a slower, more sustainable, and more intentional way to run a business that runs counter culture to all of the advice we typically hear, which is about urgency and scaling and putting yourself out there and hustling, you know, pushing, hustling, forcing, all of those things. I want to bring an alternative perspective that reminds you you are a human first, you are a business owner second, and that there is a way to bring your humanity into the way that you run your business. In fact, I think it's probably the only way to have a sustainable business that can support you for the long term is if you are bringing your humanity into every step of the process. And nowhere does this come up more than in today's topic, which is how to set gentler boundaries in your business. Now, I know what you're thinking. Probably you've heard advice before that you need to have stronger boundaries in your business. And I'm going to be honest, I don't necessarily disagree with that advice. I know that when we're first starting out, it is much more typical for us to have zero boundaries than for us to have boundaries that are too strong. I have worked with so many clients over the years who have struggled to say no to any request that comes in from any of their potential clients or customers. If someone messages them at 11 at night, they feel this sense of pressure and urgency to respond in the moment. If someone asks for a friends and family discount, they don't know how to say no. If someone is offering them a gig and they're in the beginning stages of their business, they feel like no matter how sticky the gig feels, no matter how tight the timeline, they need to say yes because they need more experience and they need the money. Okay, so we're all aware of the fact that when we're first starting out in business, our boundaries can be incredibly leaky and or non-existent. So if you are in that stage... (laughs) Let's start with a little primer about boundaries and policies when it comes to business. I think you absolutely need to have them. If you're first starting out and you're still feeling that sense of needing to say yes to everyone, needing to say yes to everything, because if you don't, your business will fall apart. This part of the episode is for you. I encourage you to look at the places where you are spending the most time and energy and start to implement a few policies for yourself. That could be working hours, like when you will no longer check your email or at least when you will no longer respond to an email. (laughs) Weekends, times when you just take the day off and aren't accountable to any clients. 
Communication methods. So are you accessible to your clients by text and DM and email and carrier pigeon? Maybe it's time to start to bring those down into a smaller number of ways that people can communicate with you because the feeling of needing to be constantly vigilant is one that can really wear away at our nervous systems. Other policies you might want to consider are things like discounts. So if somebody asks you for a discount, can you have a policy in place that gives you a way to easily respond to that request without putting in the emotional labor every single time to figure out how you're going to respond. Just take a few minutes to put down a policy that helps you the next time someone asks. You can say, I actually have a policy that I don't give a discount except in XYZ cases, or I have a policy that I do give a discount to friends and family and it is 10% of my listed price. Whatever you feel good about, that clarity will make it so much easier to respond to inquiries when you get them in the future. I also think it can be helpful to have a policy when people ask you if they can pick your brain. I think it's really important to have a policy around committing to your work if you're a service-based business owner or a return policy if you're a product-based business owner. All of these things are really important, building blocks of having a calm and sustainable business. But as Gretchen Rubin says, the opposite of a profound truth is also true. So just as it's really important for us to have boundaries in our businesses, it's also really important that we don't let those boundaries get in the way of our humanity. This involves some nuance. So if you're still in the part of your business where you have zero boundaries and you need to practice setting up a boundary, any boundary, a single boundary, this next part of the episode might be a little bit more ninja level, okay? We're talking about context. We're talking about subtlety. We're talking about bringing our human compassion into the way that we set boundaries. It might not be easy when you're first starting out, and it might be easier to just have blanket policies that apply to everyone no matter what. That's sort of level one, and I think that that's a really important place to get to. So if you're not even at level one yet, practice getting to level one, setting up your boundaries, and reminding yourself that you can always make exceptions. The boundary is just there to protect you. But the reason why I want to talk about this today is because I don't think any of us should get stuck at level one, which is just creating a policy and enforcing it rigidly, without exception, (laughs) without any context, without any compassion. That is not where we should stay. We need to move to a place that involves more understanding, more nuance, more being able to hold two opposing ideas in our heads at the same time. Because I'm going to be honest, I have been very annoyed in recent years by the rhetoric around boundaries that we hear coming out of the self-help space, the coaching space, the new agey space. A lot of what I hear about boundaries coming from those spheres tends to sound a lot like manipulation. It's encouraging people to say, this is my boundary, and if you don't like it, take it or leave it. That kind of energy, right? This is what I need. You need to do what I need. In my opinion, that's not a boundary. That's a kind of emotional manipulation or emotional coercion. You are trying to instruct the people around you to show up in a particular way in order for you to feel safe and okay. 
And of course, there's subtlety here because you can have a boundary that says if someone calls you a particular name or uses a particular kind of offensive language, you can leave that situation. And that is a boundary. But you cannot tell that person not to use that name or not to use that language. All you can do is control your behavior as a result. My personal definition of a boundary is as follows. If you do X, I will do Y. So you give the context for the behavior and you give the context of what you will do in the face of that behavior. You cannot control anybody else ever. All you can control is your response to somebody else. And so I think that what a lot of the coaching language gets wrong is they're using this buzzword of boundaries, much like we've heard the buzzword of self-care, being used to sort of manipulate other people. It can be used as a form of gaslighting. You can be accusing people of not respecting your boundaries and not respecting your desires. But the fact is that nobody else can really respect your boundaries, right? If the definition of a boundary is, if you do X, I will do Y, the only person that can respect that boundary is you by enforcing the piece that you said you would do if they did X. If you're not doing Y, you are the one not respecting your own boundaries. It's not them. All you have given them is a choice. All you have given them is the information. And sometimes we don't even do that, right? I think Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School calls this the manual. It's the fake um, list of rules that we keep in our heads and we don't even tell the people around us what our rules are. We only tell them when they're failing uh, because we get upset or we get angry or (laughs) we walk away. So part of boundary setting is expressing what you're going to do, making the manual in your head available to other people so they understand the consequences of their action. But the second part of boundary setting is actually enforcing the boundary itself. And a lot of times when people are saying that others are not respecting their boundaries, what they really mean is they have not enforced that boundary even one time. Because if you do enforce a boundary, if you do the thing you say you're going to do, then the other person actually has no choice but to quote unquote respect that boundary because you have removed yourself from the situation or you have, you know, enacted whatever consequence you explained you were going to enact. This is a much saner way of setting boundaries, in my opinion, because as always, as I said before, we cannot control other people. All we can control is ourselves and our response in a given moment. And so if your boundary setting depends on you demanding things from other people, it's probably not going to be that effective. It's not really a boundary. (laughs) Okay, that's my opinion. I've learned this from other very smart people. I don't think it's a boundary just if you're instructing other people. That's just you expressing a desire that may or may not be met. There's this thing I say in my Inbox Zero course, which is you teach people how to treat you. And you can do this either overtly or covertly. So in a business context, for example, you can tell people your policies. Like if you reach out to me after hours, you're going to get a response uh, at you know 9 or 10 a.m. the next business day. Or in your email signature, maybe it says, I aim to respond to queries within two to five business days. That's you overtly explaining your boundary around communication. A similar one would be someone having in their Instagram bio, 
no DMs, please email me. That's an overt expression of your boundaries when it comes to communication methods. But you can also just very subtly communicate your boundaries by acting in a way that enforces them. So for example, if we're following this um, this definition, which is if you do X, I will do Y. If you email me at 10 p.m., I will respond the next morning at 10 a.m. I will not respond that night. And so you might not even need to tell someone that. You might just be able to get away with just responding, doing part B of the equation without even having to express it. And over time, people will learn and the, the the right clients will stay. The wrong clients might put up a fuss and then leave. But ultimately, you are in charge of that boundary. You cannot control whether someone will message you at 10 p.m. You really can't. <laughs> even if you express your policy, even if you tell them up front, you can't stop them from messaging you. All you can do is control how you respond. I know it's easier said than done, but that is ultimately all you can control. So all of this is to say that, in my opinion, boundaries are tools. They are there to help you figure out what you want, figure out what you need, and then find ways to give it to yourself. They are not weapons. They are not devices of controlling others. They are ways to protect yourself and to reduce the amount of emotional labor that you need to do on any given day. Having boundaries in place, having policies in place in any context, whether personal or professional, in my opinion, the goal is to reduce the amount of emotional labor, anxiety, and stress that you may feel if someone does something you don't like because you know how you're going to respond and what you will feel good about doing as a consequence. They are not there to protect you from anyone doing anything in the future that you don't like. There is unfortunately nothing on this planet that can enforce that kind of behavioral control over others. And I think it's also a waste of our time to try. People are going to people. You know, people are who they are. They're going to do things. And all we can do is control how we respond. This episode of Slowpreneur is sponsored by The Profoundary, a coaching and community program for thoughtful entrepreneurs run by yours truly. If you've been looking for a supportive group of business besties who share your values and really get it, this could be the perfect membership for you because these people are truly amazing. Every month in the program, we have a bunch of different calls. For example, productivity parties to get our work done together, workshops on things like project planning, balance and boundaries, or goal setting. And we often do creative think tanks that offer custom group coaching for members for whatever they might be struggling with. We also have a really supportive Slack community with weekly check-ins. We have a resource library full of recordings and interesting workshops and a business book club so that you can learn about business from interesting and diverse authors. If this sounds like your cup of tea, I'd love for you to come check it out. You can learn more and get your first productivity party pass for free by going to stephaniepellet.com slash profoundary. I would love to see you there. So with all of that context in mind, let us talk about the art of setting gentler boundaries. We already talked about level one, which is just 
you have never set a boundary before in your life and you realize, oh my gosh, I got some leaky holes in this business of mine. I got some people who are knocking on my door at 7 a.m. wanting things from me and who are not respecting our contract and who are, you know, demanding extra and the, the scope of work is increasing and I don't know how to ask for them to pay me and da da da. Okay. We need to get to level one. We need to have some policies in place. We may even need to have some technology in place, right? So someone can't actually get away with not paying you because you ask for a deposit up front or you get their credit card so you can create auto pay depending on the contract that they sign. All of those tools are available to you. That's level one. And now I want to talk about level two, which is the gentle art of boundary setting. I really think that setting boundaries is an art learning how to express yourself, learning when you need to be overt and explicit in your boundaries and when you can be subtle and lead by example with your boundaries. That is an art. And not only is that an art, but it's also an art to figure out when a boundary is required and when you want to make an exception. Like I said, many of us start out in the position of making too many exceptions. In fact, there is no rule, and so there are no exceptions. Everything is just an exception because there is no rule to base it off of. So if you have no rules, I think it's better to make some first, and then when you get to level one, then we can talk about making exceptions in a mindful and intentional way. And I want to talk about two quick stories that I think illustrate this for you. Uh, so one was somebody reaching out to me in my DMs a couple weeks ago, and they had a very combative tone. This had not been the first time that they reached out, and I could tell that we did not necessarily agree on a particular topic, and I could also tell that they did not seem very open to a conversation. If I were operating at level one of boundary setting, level one would be if a client or a friend reaches out to me in my DMs, I respond and I'm open to conversation. That's me expressing my policy, expressing my boundary without any exceptions. It's just me doing what I've said I was going to do without exceptions. But in this particular instance, I actually needed to move to level two because I could feel in my body that I did not have the bandwidth for this conversation. So despite my sort of unstated policy that I'm very open and I'm very friendly and I'm always up for a conversation, almost always up for a conversation, I could feel that in this instance and around this topic, it wasn't going to be productive. And I felt that my energy would be better used if I did not spend time arguing with someone and I instead spent my time trying to actively support uh, the values that I have. And so I set a boundary in that conversation where I essentially told this person I wasn't open to having the conversation. I didn't have the bandwidth right now to have the conversation in my DMs and I wasn't willing to chat about this. That was really hard because here's another misconception about boundaries. The misconception that the self-help movement seems to give us is that it's very easy <laughs> to say your boundary. It's just like, tell people what your boundaries are and you'll feel so empowered. No. Every time I set a boundary, I feel terrified. I feel so much anxiety. I can't stop checking my phone. I feel really, really stressed out. <laughs> like It does get easier over time for sure, but I almost never feel empowered. So don't listen to anyone who tells you 
when you set the right boundary, you'll know because you'll just be so calm and you'll have zero anxiety. Like who, where, when, how, why? <laughs> like I've never experienced that in my life. Every time I set a hard boundary, usually it's pushing a button for me. But I want to tell you what I didn't do in that situation. I didn't uh, ignore myself, right? I didn't say, well, you know, you should be open to having conversations because, you know, your values are being open to having conversations and, and chatting with people and getting to know people. So I didn't dishonor myself because instead I could feel in my body how I felt. And despite my sort of stated or level one boundary that I typically am open to conversations, I could feel that this required some level two energy, which is the nuance. There is nuance here. Yes, I'm generally open to conversations. No, I was not open to this particular conversation. Okay. And the other thing that I didn't do is I didn't try to dishonor or dehumanize the other person. So I didn't make them into a villain. I didn't um, get really angry at them. I didn't feel upset that they were reaching out which we had had many conversations previously in my DMs. And so obviously, if they're going off of the boundaries I've set in the past, they know that I am generally pretty open to conversation. So I didn't make them a problem, right? All I did was gently say I wasn't open to having this particular conversation. I think both those things are really important. We cannot dehumanize or dishonor others in setting our values and our boundaries, and we can't dishonor or dehumanize ourselves. I think sometimes this is part of the problem that I have with the self-help version of setting boundaries. It requires a lot of selfishness. And to some extent, I think that's okay because we do have to tune in with ourselves and figure out what we need and what we want. But I think sometimes it goes too far where the self-help space encourages us not to think about the other person at all. Not to think about their motivations or their desires in having a relationship with us. It just asks us to think about ourselves and move forward with the force of a thousand suns (laughs) demanding that of the people around us. And I actually think that that does dehumanize the people around us. It makes us forget that they are their own individuals with their own needs, wants, values, and desires. They have a reason why they're interacting with you in a particular way. And so, yes, you can march into that conversation or that situation with self-righteousness and selfishness and pure clarity that your position is the one that needs to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts. But that feels like level one energy to me. It feels like applying a blanket statement. It feels like not taking into account the other person's humanity, not having compassion for them, not looking for compromises that will work for you both. And again, this is obviously context specific. It's very dependent on, um, you know, the situation. And there may be times where you are not able to move outside of the level one boundary, which is just this is the boundary. (laughs) This is the boundary. I can't take in any more information. This is just my boundary. That's fine. I want to honor and acknowledge that that's fine. You may have trauma. You may have other things where you just need to protect yourself in a given moment. And I get that. And I also think that truer, more beautiful versions of relationships are possible when we go beyond that first blanket statement and we take into account a little bit more 
context for the other person's humanity. Which brings me to the second story that I want to tell. I'm not going to get into any details here, uh, but essentially I had booked with a service provider and I had an unpleasant conversation with that provider when I came down with COVID and had to cancel the appointment. I need to be clear that this person was technically not doing anything wrong. They were just operating at very level one boundary setting. This is my policy. This is what it is. You saw it when you signed the agreement and that's just what it is. And I will be charging you accordingly. I need to repeat, none of that is technically wrong. And every single business owner has the right to do whatever they need to do to protect themselves and to make a living and to take care of their families. So I respected this person's boundary. I said, I absolutely understand that this is your policy. Please charge me with the card that you have on file and send me the receipt. And I also spoke up for myself. I also said, just so you know, this entire interaction has really left a bad taste in my mouth, not so much because of what you were saying, but how you were saying it and how I felt really unvalued as a new client of this person's business, as somebody who had been trying to do the right thing and really be as gentle and caring and considerate as I possibly could, given that I had COVID, <laughs> um, and really felt that this person was being unfriendly and very rigid and unmoving and unsympathetic. And I got the distinct sense that they had been burned before by other clients and were, again, really applying a blanket policy, protective energy, really putting that out there as this is my policy, this is what I need, and not taking into account any of the context. I want to say it one more time. That doesn't make them wrong, okay? And in any situation, you have the agency. I want to empower you to do what you have to do in any situation. If you have been clear and upfront with your boundaries from the beginning, then you are in every right able to enact them and, and enforce them. So I have sympathy for this person. And I also wanted to pull out a few lessons of why I think that this rubbed me the wrong way, why I felt like I needed to speak up and say something in the face of this interaction instead of just going along with the boundary that they had set. Because if I'm going to be really honest, something that I am trying to learn for myself and that I am seeing now in a lot of other people is that when we are being too rigid with our boundaries, when we are being too disciplined in how we enact policies, I think that we are sometimes just reenacting the same capitalistic, patriarchal values that we started our businesses to get away from. We were raised with these values of corporations that don't make exceptions for humans. We have all been on a call with Rogers or Bell or any of these big conglomerates that do not care who you are. They do not care what you need or how you were wronged. All they care about is the stated policy and enforcing that policy. And I think that we started our businesses because we believed in humanity and we believed that there was a better gentler way to live in this world and do business with others. 
And yet I think sometimes when we're operating from a place of fear or scarcity, we are unconsciously enacting these same rigid patriarchal values that most of us would say we don't actually hold. But it is the one way we have been shown to protect yourself in a business. And so that is what we are reinforcing and reproducing. So let me talk about these lessons that this interaction taught me about the art of setting gentler boundaries. And I'll kind of give you a bit of context for each one in this situation and why I think it's relevant. So step number one is that you need to believe in abundance over scarcity. This is a concept I've talked about so many times in my career. It was a decision I made very early on in my career, which is to believe that there will always be more, more opportunities, more clients. If this doesn't work out, something else will. If this person is not right for me, someone else will be, that there will be enough. I have to believe that there will be enough. And for sure, this faith has been tested. (laughs) There have been slower seasons, especially over the last few years when I was struggling with my mental health. There have been times where there has not been necessarily a financial abundance in my business or an energetic abundance in my business. But it's not necessarily about having the results, like the evidence that I choose to believe in it, it's because it changes my entire orientation to how I do business. If I believe in scarcity, then I need to cling to every potential discovery call. I need to be trying to convert that person at all times. If I believe in scarcity, it means that I don't think I'm ever going to have enough money. So if somebody gets COVID and needs to cancel an appointment, I need to charge them that money right away because I'm not thinking longer term. I'm not thinking about next week and how we could reschedule and I could still make that money later. It's it's this very short-term, urgent philosophy of life that this opportunity in front of you is the only one. And if you don't grab onto it, it will slip away and you will never have enough. So I want to start by saying that it is very difficult, but when it comes to setting boundaries, I think it's really important that we start by believing in abundance. We start by believing that it is okay. If there is somebody who gets away, if there is somebody where it's not the right time, we're approaching with like a really loose grasp on our desires. We are not holding rigidly to the things that we want. We are not living in a place of deep, deep, deep self-protectiveness um, where we're afraid of everyone and everything around us is a, is a threat. Instead, we show up for ourselves, we are kind to ourselves, but we also know that we're going to be okay and that there will always be more where something else came from. That does not necessarily dictate how you will interact with someone or what boundary you choose to set or not set. I'm not saying that there's any prescriptive way that you need to take this philosophy, but I am saying (laughs) that for me, it has been an incredibly instructive philosophy. And to me, I think it helps me set better boundaries, gentler boundaries, because I'm actually able to relax my shoulders, relax my brow, take a deep breath, remember that it's not that serious, right? That it's okay. I can lead with humanity. I can lead with understanding. And I believe that I will not be screwed over. Because if we go back to that other example of the DMs, I know that I can stand up for myself if and when I need to. I can listen to my internal state. I can check in about how I'm feeling with a particular person or a particular situation, and I can always change my approach. But I always want to start 
with believing in abundance. Because if I don't, I'm going to be gripping, I'm going to be forcing, and I'm going to be pushing in places where I don't want to. This brings me to number two, which is that I think it's really important that you play the long game. I talk about this all the time. I talked about this on episode one of season one of this podcast. But it's so important that you're playing the long game instead of the short game. And this kind of ties in with the abundance versus scarcity model. But it's the idea that it's way more important to invest in people for the long term than it is to invest in your policy for the short term. There's a book that I love, which is called Cracking the Client Code. It's from one of the founders of FreshBooks. And he talks about how much more expensive it is to find a new client than to work with existing clients. I think it's something like five times more in terms of effort and money and advertising to attract a new client rather than keep an existing client who is very loyal. And I have built my entire business like this. I have chosen to believe that if I invest in people, if I am kind to people, if I am understanding with people, that will pay off in spades, in dividends for years to come. I literally have clients that I have been working with for over a decade now, which is a fact that makes me honestly very emotional to say and feel, but it's true. And there has been times in that 10 years when I could have chosen to be in a level one boundary and said, No, you read when you signed up for this service, you read that you had to use your coaching calls within six months and it has been more than six months. And so you have lost those calls completely. I could have said something like that. I could have. That is my level one boundary. It's written in the contract. I could have. But I choose to believe that people are more important (laughs) than profits in a lot of cases or that people lead to profits. I don't even know if it's a choice between the two. But what I'm trying to say is when I play the long game instead of the short game, I understand that making an exception in a particular situation doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me a pushover. It doesn't mean that I'm not taking care of myself. In every single situation where I've made an exception, I have also checked in with myself to see, do I feel like I'm being taken advantage of here? Do I feel that this person does not have good intentions? Do I feel that there's a sense of, of openness or understanding or do they realize that they are, um, you know, going against a stated boundary? Are they apologetic of that fact? You know, all the context you need to take into account. And then at the end of the day, I believe that it is more empowering to make an exception that feels good to you, that feels in alignment with your values. It is a more of a power move in life to do that than it is to rigidly restate your written down boundary. Other people might disagree with me. That might not be opinion that you hold. But for me, I think it is way more empowering to choose a stance, to choose a boundary that is context specific, that puts the person first, and that believes in the power of the long game over the short game. In this situation, what I was flabbergasted by as a new client of this service-based business owner was that they were willing to lose me as a client forever, but they wanted to enforce their boundary and they wanted to get paid for that particular session. And that's kind of what I expressed. 
I'm willing to pay for this session, but I need you to know that the way that you have been talking to me this whole time, the way that I have felt as a result of this interaction has meant that I will probably not be back and I will probably not be recommending people to your business. And I probably, you know, if you had thought about the long game, if you had invested in the relationship over this one particular appointment time that yes, you have every right. You have every right to keep your policy around. And again, I'm, I don't need to go into detail. It's not really about this person specifically. But to me, it is so important to think long-term rather than short-term. Short-term is not going to get you very far by definition, right? <laughs> it's short-term. It's not going to get you anywhere. And so, yes, you can choose to enforce things based on the short-term consequences, or you can choose to believe in abundance, you can choose to believe in people, and you can choose to play the long game. This is not an ad, it's a pause. I've decided to build an intentional break into every episode of Slowpreneur because I know I'm throwing a lot of ideas and hopefully inspiration your way, and I wanted to give you a moment to integrate it to not have to pay attention, to not have to absorb anymore, to just marinate on what we've talked about so far and take a breath before we continue. Now let's get back to the show. Step number three is to give people the benefit of the doubt. Again, corporate culture would call me a schmuck, right? (laughs) People in high up business positions would call me a pushover. They would say I'm weak. And yet, I think that most people deserve the benefit of the doubt. I think you can tell when someone is trying to manipulate you. I think you can tell when someone is purposely being unkind or purposely being pushy. And I trust you just like I trust me, to know when those situations are happening. But I think most of the time, it's important to choose to give people the benefit of the doubt, to choose to see people's humanity, to choose to understand that most people are trying their best, and to not hold people to impossible standards based on some mythical ideal life that is probably not possible for most people. We are all dealing with so much, and I really think it's more beautiful to go through the world believing that people are trying their best than to assume that everyone is out to get you. This is kind of another version of abundance versus scarcity, but it is a little different. And it really reminds me of one of my favorite speeches uh, that was given by David Foster Wallace as a commencement address many years ago. It's called This is Water. If you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend that you go and listen to it. My claim to fame is that in university, I printed it out and taped it up in my university bathrooms because I felt like it was a message that I wanted everyone to hear and feel and internalize. And essentially, his message is that it is to choose to believe that people are trying their best around you, even when that jerk cuts you off on the freeway or when that person is yelling at a cashier in front of you, is to choose to believe that they're trying their best in the moment. And at the time, the advice was very theoretical. And over the years, as I personally have experienced more challenges in my life where I have probably been the person who 
accidentally cut someone off or um, got really frustrated at a cashier. I, I don't think I've ever yelled at a cashier, but, you know, maybe I've gotten frustrated. It reminds me that we all make mistakes. It reminds me we're all better than our worst moments. It reminds me that most of the time we are trying our best. Most people just want the dignity of living their lives and doing the best they can and that everyone deserves compassion. Everyone deserves kindness. Everyone deserves love and respect. And that doesn't mean you should allow them to do anything they want. I mean, I think that cashier could set a boundary by walking away from that situation, for example, uh, or calling their manager or or whatever action was in their control. Uh, But at the same time, I think that it's really important that we remember to give people the benefit of the, the doubt. We choose to believe the most beautiful possibility in a given situation. And he has this beautiful line that I love that I think really sums up this part very beautifully. He says, if you really learn how to pay attention, then you will know there are other options. It will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, hot, slow, consumer hell type situation as not only meaningful, but sacred, on fire with the same force that made the stars, love, fellowship, and the mystical oneness of all things deep down. It makes me feel emotional every single time I read it because to me, that is the true power of self-development. That is the true thing that I think we should all be striving for is the ability to hold others in a positive, beautiful, loving light and choose to believe that they're trying their best and choose our reactions accordingly. So again, this is not prescriptive. This doesn't mean that that person should have not enforced their boundary with me. It doesn't mean that I should not have enforced my boundary with the person in my DMs. All it means is that we want to take into account the other person's humanity whenever we're setting a boundary. We don't just want to think about ourselves, what we need, what we want, but we also want to think about them, what they need, what they want, and choose to believe the best in people as much as we possibly can. And the last point I want to make here is to remind you that there are actually no right or wrong answers in anything, in business, in boundaries, in life, in anything. There are no right or wrong answers. All there are are choices that we can use as vehicles for our values. I got this idea from Ruth Chang. She has this beautiful TED talk about this, which is this idea that if you're not sure what to do in a given situation... Make the choice that aligns the most with the person you want to be. So if you're not sure, right, in a given situation what the right answer is, you've taken into account the context, you've taken into account abundance and the long game and trying to give this person the benefit of the doubt, and it's still not clear to you how you want to proceed, try to make the choice that embodies your best self that embodies the values that you most want to hold? What kind of business owner do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? I gave this example in a blog post once when I was choosing, you know, whether or not to move to Korea. (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with business, but it has something to do with this concept. It was basically like on paper, I had an equal pro and cons list. I don't even remember what was on the pros and the what was on the cons, but I know that they were more or less equal. And I also knew that if I made the decision to move, I would be giving power 
to the values in my life that I most wanted to give power to at that time in my life. I wanted to give more power to my sense of adventure and more power to my sense of exploration and being a citizen of the world and helping others and learning new things and exploring. Like all of those things were important values of mine. And making the choice that underscored those values was a more powerful thought exercise for me than just going based on what feels right, what feels wrong, what is practical, what is logical. Instead, we can make choices based on who we want to be. Again, (laughs) I feel like a broken record. That's not prescriptive. That doesn't mean that there is one right answer for how to enforce a boundary or how not to. And that's because, spoiler alert, there is no one-size-fits-all In anything, in business or in boundaries, there are no one-size-fits-all strategies. And I think that the real level two energy is getting to a point where you realize that the boundary is just a guideline. The boundary is a tool. It is there to support you if and when you need it. But it is not a strict rule. It is not a way that you try to manipulate and control others. It is simply an idea that supports you. It is a scaffolding that you have come up with at a time when you had more emotional bandwidth and you were not reacting to someone in particular. And it can help you hold strong if your fatal flaw is being too generous with people and too compassionate with people and too kind to people. It's possible to be too far in that direction. And then it's also possible that if you have been that person in the past, you can let the pendulum swing way too far in the other direction. And suddenly, instead of having zero boundaries, you just have one super strict boundary you enforce with everyone. I just believe that in life, there's always a third way. And in this case, the third way is letting that pendulum swing not far in the direction of no boundaries and not far in the direction of rigid boundaries, but coming to a place somewhere in the middle, which is checking in with yourself and setting the boundary that feels right given that person, that context, that specific situation, how you feel, what you need, and honoring that other person's humanity. Reminding yourself at all times that there is no one right answer. There is only the answer that lives out who I most want to be in this world that enforces my boundaries. Just as our businesses can be vehicles for our values, our boundaries can be vehicles for our values. And I realized that in that situation, part of why I was triggered so much was not even so much needing to pay money for a service that I didn't get. It wasn't the way that she was talking to me. What actually triggered me the most was the realization that I personally had different values. I would never have chosen to enforce a boundary over the possibility of building a new relationship with somebody who seemed like a really cool new client who was new to the city and looking for a service practitioner. I would have always chosen compassion and patience, and I think I would have chosen not to enforce my boundary the first time, even though I'm a small business, even though business can be slow in certain seasons. I don't know that person intimately and I don't know their situation, but I knew in that moment that their values were different from mine. And I think that's why I said they didn't do anything wrong. They just acted according to their values, but it was clear that their values were different from mine. And that's what sparked this entire podcast episode and this line of thinking of what do I really believe when it comes to boundaries? What what do I really think um, is important when we're setting them? 
I need to be also very honest here that this is such a work in progress. I will slip up all the time. I'm sure there are times that I am too rigid with how I set my boundaries, and I'm sure there are times where I'm too lenient. That's going to be a practice. One of the things that helps me the most is having some close confidants in some of my good friends where I can bounce things off of them and check in and see whether I'm being either too lenient or too rigid or just right, like Goldilocks in the face of a particular context. I think it's more empowering to feel that you can trust yourself than to feel like you need to depend on a very, very strict boundary. But I would love to hear your thoughts. I know this is such a complex topic. It's definitely one I am not at the bottom of, but I wanted to share my thoughts in progress and hope they support you. I also wanted to say a gigantic thank you for listening to me this season and every season so far of Slowpreneur. This podcast has been a passion project of mine. It is a place where I get to come and work out some of my thoughts on various things. And the thing that I never really expected was how much of a community it would bring me, how many people I would be introduced to, how many peers I would meet who share my opinions and values on a particular topic. And I just feel so grateful that I started it and that it has led to this kind of connection with others. So if you've been listening for any length of time, I just want to say a huge thank you. And it means so much to me to know that there are other people out there who feel the same way about business as I do. It really is so incredible. I'm sitting here in my literal closet (laughs) talking into my computer and to know that you're listening and that you agree and you reach out on DMs and you come to productivity parties because of the podcast. It's it's incredible. It just has been such an amazing journey for me. So thank you so much. I'm going to take a few months off, but you can dive back into the archives. There are some great episodes in there, great interviews with people. And you can also reach out on Instagram. I'm at Steph Pellet, and I would love to hear from you. Uh, I may have to set a boundary, but probably not. <laughs> so I, I'm always there if you want to have a chat or talk through anything that we have been talking about on the podcast so far this season or last season. Thank you again so much for being here and letting me share my thoughts with you. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Thanks so much for listening to Slowpreneur. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at hello at stephaniepellet.com. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at stephaniepellet.com slash slowpreneur. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.